Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Sorry, I'm making everyone giggle at the beginning <laughs> of this Take Two podcast. We're back. We're spinning before the election. Thanks for being with us. I'm Heidi Hatch. It's been a little bit. Mara Carabello here and Greg Hughes. Thanks for being here, friends. Hey, we, this is um, this is take two part t- two because as we waited for the gear for the yeah. guinea pig wheel to kind of get up to speed, oh my we had, gosh, we this had computer an entire is the worst. podcast. I know we already podcast. we talked and it might be sexier than what we're about to say yeah. now, but maybe yeah, not. Yeah. And Greg and I are good. on the same side of the table today. Well, we're I know. being analysts right now. We're just being we're just doing color commentary. We're not picking side. We're just. We're just looking at We're just numbers. really As looking always. at the election, yeah. right? Calling, you know, balls, balls and, and strikes. strikes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, always. Mara, you are coming along. I just love Well, this is exciting. It's almost um, Christmas Eve, which is really election eve, which is very ah, exciting. We're very excited. Um, I feel like elections are way more exciting to me than the Super Bowl and other things, but pick your poison. So <laughs> here we are. Um, today is actually November 3rd, and the election's the 8th, so we're, what, Four or five days out, depending on how you'd like mm-hmm. to look at it. But then don't get excited because you'll have a couple weeks waiting in for all the ballots to return, and we'll wait for right. the big reports that will come rhythm. every day. A new rhythm. So now. here's the question before we dig into everything. I was kind of thinking that we would have a winner in the Senate race on election night, but when I'm looking at some of the turnout numbers, uh, we'll get into the turnout in just yeah. a minute, but are we going to have a winner? Or are we going to be winner, winner, chicken dinner, like three weeks afterwards, like in the 4th Congressional District last time. My prediction is we will have a winner. What do you think, Gregory? Yep, we'll have a winner. We'll know. It, the percentages, I think, will be um, strong enough that whatever right. comes in the next two weeks won't change the outcome. Can't be insurmountable. Yep. yep, I agree. All right. Let's talk about a few things going on right now. Uh, there have been some ballot problems. Iron County has somewhat ironed them out right now. Where, no pun intended. Yes, I know. They've gotten the ballots to people, although there was a slow rollout. Now, Carbon County, I have talked to several viewers who have emailed me and said we don't have a ballot. They had some printing issues, and then when the printer sent them out, they sent them second-class mail, which is junk mail, so who knows when they're going to get them. Um, A lot of people don't have their ballots. At this point, they're trying to gear up for people to come in and do early voting. Does any of this matter, or are people still going to get out and vote? Greg, you're first when we have these kind of issues. I I think that people that want to vote will vote. I think if you were a person that uh, convenience is your guiding light uh, and it's less convenient, you might not vote. But I think that that we're going to see, by and large, in the midterm, this particular midterm, I think there is there is a group of uh, Utah voters that are very motivated to vote, and they're going to get out and vote uh, when, they're ha- when they have that opportunity. So I, I think you'll see a strong turnout uh, statewide. And I, I actually would say, with what the numbers we're seeing right now, we are not far off of past elections. And then you always have to understand that the presidential election is always assumed to have a higher turnout than the mid what you'd call the midterm election. Yeah. So Um, hats off to the Carbon County clerk and the Iron County clerk. They communicated about it as soon as they felt like they understood it. Carbon sort of explained and apologized for what was just slow printing, slow processing. They've said they're not going to hire these vendors anymore. The good news for voters in Carbon County is that 
you don't have to drive two hours and stand in a three-hour line. Yeah. These you, you, They've published multiple times the voting locations. We're old school in it a little in Carbon County. But you'll find a place to vote. They're well-published, and you can stand in line. So I agree with Greg. I think that people who want to um, vote this year. In fact, I'm going to say for those of us who live in Salt Lake County, I have heard a surprisingly high number of people who have decided to vote in person this year. And so yeah. I, I'm hearing, so maybe that will be in vogue, but in, in Carbon County, you will absolutely have a chance to vote without too much con- inconvenience. So are people voting in person because of the questions from the last election that some people had about voter security, or is it the pomp and circumstance? Because I honestly miss the whole showing up on election day and voting in person. I do too. Like when I sent, I sent mine in, but you know how they put a sticker mm-hmm. in your packet? I I'm a little mixed. Like, when do I trot that out? Yeah, I didn't put it on. I mean, it was by, you know, I, it would have just been me and my family on Sunday looking at my I voted <laughs> sticker. So, like, do I save it? So, I think it's a combination. I do think there, um, there's been increased, obviously, intensity about security. We've heard this year most are putting in um, more secure camera footage, things like that. So, I do think maybe there's a little bit of people wanting to have the physicality of yeah. voting, but I also just think a lot of us still liked it. I know. I To get any kind of pomp and circumstance out of it, because I'm, I'm a big tradition kind of person, I always go and at least drop them off in a drop box instead of my mailbox, because the mailbox feels so eh. And yeah. it's not that I don't trust the mail because you can track your ballot and see, but going to an official ballot box feels a little more official to me so I go there and do you put your sticker on I no I kept my sticker though because I had the same question I'm like when do I wear this because part of wearing the sticker was on election day it was reminding other people you know that's what I thought to go vote you know like oh shoot I gotta get that in community action that's what I thought I'm like you know I love it and then I have a place in my closet I've been putting it year after year are you kidding line them up no that's cute yeah you're lying no and I love it wow I like doing it it sounds kind of like the growth charts. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, whatever you want to call it, notch in the belt, whatever you want. I just like to take my eye voted, and I put it, I've got it in my closet, and I have it. So you noted up. this year they are uh, larger and more colors. I haven't seen it because I haven't voted yet. Okay. I'm not oh, you're undecided. Maybe we can persuade you. Yeah, maybe you can. <laughs> I, I, Heidi, I think, and Mara, I think that uh, you're going to find some people that would like to vote in person because narratives aside whether you know let's get rid of the election denier or there is election integrity let's just say this that it's it's polling across this country that the the election integrity is an issue uh, it's been talked about enough that you can ask those questions and hope that your vote counts I, I i we have to get to a place unlike the president's address last night where we're laying the blame at one party or if someone doesn't agree with me or if one party doesn't win then it's it, then there's a problem with elections and if the other side wins we're all good we're all human beings. Processes can always be improved. And what we should all be worry, concerned about or wanting is chain of custody and making sure one person, one vote carries the day and that everyone's voice is heard. And that has to be something that we can collectively rally around. And I think some people think, you know what, with all that's being discussed, if I can go in, and I like the fact that the paper comes up the side, so how I vote on the machine, I see a paper trail, mm-hmm. and it never leaves the possession or of, of the voting voting judges. I mean, what, what I see on that paper is in their possession until it's turned in. And I like that. I personally like that. Yeah. I mean, good news is voting standard in Utah and those ideals have been in place for decades. Yeah. So The one thing I don't like is I don't even know what states they are, but I was reading up a while ago. There are some states where the chain of custody is sort of blurry where you can actually go and gather ballots from people and then turn them voter in. Harvesting. Yeah, voter harvesting. Yeah. And I don't... 
I don't love that, you know, no. the idea. And some states will just have to decide from themselves since these are local elections how to do it right. So I do appreciate that that doesn't happen here in the state of Utah. Interestingly enough, uh, you're not alone, Greg. In Salt Lake County, voter turnout seems to be a lot lower than our rural counties. We're talking about where the issues were in iron and carbon. I'm not concerned about them because we're looking at the numbers as of yesterday morning and overall voter turnouts at 17%. Highest turnout, though, are in Wayne, Paiute, Garfield counties. We're talking 42%, 37%, 36%. Then you get to Salt Lake County, Utah County, Davis County, and Weber along the Wasatch Front. And we're talking about 15 in Salt Lake, 18% in Utah, 27% in Davis, so they're higher, and Weber at 21%. So, Mara, why are we lagging here along the Wasatch Front compared to other areas? Are we just too busy here? We're just, yes, we're just too I would, busy. I would say if you're living on a farm and milking cows all day long. You know, I should have looked this up, but as we were talking about before, I don't know... I mean, in order to call an anomaly, you have to go back and look at performance in the past. And I'm not so certain that if we didn't look at 18 and 20, you may have seen the rural areas get their counts in. I mean, part of it is just organizationally. How how many stacks do they stack before they process? And those small count numbers do come through quicker. Uh, I, I will say, to me, the numbers are telling us that we're voting later. I am not persuaded we're going to vote less, particularly compared to other midterm elections. Um, And uh, it's an interesting question about who's motivated or not. I will say this week we're hearing more and more about this one common denominator, which is Republicans do seem to be more energized this year. Yeah. So... uh, I've looked at this, and, there, you know, you have politicos, you have people working campaigns, yeah. elections. They stare at this stuff very closely. And, and and what you're seeing is every day there's a tabulation that's made where they are actually – they're not counting. They don't know the total number, but they are running through the ballot. They're they separate the, system, the ballot yeah. from the envelope, and they are tabulating that. What that allows them to do is put out in public record for campaigns and the public who has actually voted. If you know who's voted, then you know what their party affiliation is. And so you can start to You'll see. stop getting those crappy mailers in the exactly. mail, too, because if you so get your vote And this has stop. been going on for years and yes. years, Yes, and right? this isn't new. This isn't a new process. But the transparency of that is good, especially if you're on a campaign, because you can pare down your mailing list because people have already voted. And the campaigns Greg and I have been on, you would go look at the voter list, and then back in the day, your call center, you would distribute those. And if Heidi hadn't voted yet, you were still working her. You were still yep. calling and saying, hey, yeah. have you considered yeah, so you, candidates? So that, as that number gets down, the, they really concentrate highly on on the people that haven't yet who who are as you said before i haven't voted yet so i could potentially be undecided so anyway but what you're seeing right now in salt lake county which is not being reported in the numbers of what they've tabulated mm. is the number in their possession that have not so what you see this is how many and this is who they are and this is the the you break down by party you're not seeing that they have in possession seventy five thousand more ballots so that so if you see the raw number it looks like wow that's really far behind We've not seen uh, as many ballots in possession that haven't been tabulated yet. And that's, you know, if it takes people or if they're slow doing it, I have no complaint about it. But I, do, I don't think that the, the voter turnout is, un, is, is unusually low. I think it's Salt Lake County is going to represent 30 to 35 percent of the total statewide vote. Yeah. 
and I think they're in that percentage. I do think right we're now. slower though. Usually, slower, commen- yes. yeah, but that again, 100%. that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But I do think usually what we had planned on is about a third of your vote coming in in the first couple of days. Meaning, I got mine, I filled it out, I turned it back around. We didn't see that this year. No. Again, I don't know that it, it speaks at all to what the final vote count will be. I think the interest level in the election feels high, and if you listen to campaigns. I'm hearing from campaigners that they're feeling like there is interest in it's, this election. It's pretty hard to not have high interest if you've seen how much money has been put into this, the top of the ticket, the U.S. Senate race. Although, That's, you know, what I would really argue is make people, know there's people are being turned on. off by that race. And so yeah. did it make you throw out your – did you just say, oh, I hate this, I'm I have an. I have a. I have a – answer or at least a hypothesis about okay. that or are people trying to figure out i want to hear your hypothesis but here's my question uh the first time trump ran when it was the trump mcmullen um here in utah i feel like people were kind of hanging onto their ballots trying to figure out you know who they were going to vote for and hadn't decided do we think that's playing out this time where they're like do i go mike lee do i go evan mcmullen is that you know, playing out and keeping I, people's I, ballots in their hands? I don't. You know, you have a couple questions on that ballot, like a constitutional amendment, which I think we'll talk about. But yeah. there's some other questions on there that people might want to stare at and decide whether they're going to vote. I I think you might see uh, more people wanting to vote in person uh, and uh, and maybe drop it off. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's an indecision that's going on. I just think that the slower response is just uh, i think it should people are just being more judicious about what they're going so through. here's what's troubling to me i don't think they're undecided i think they're unsatisfied and i think this is going on more and more and i think it's going on on both sides uh, the evaluation yeah. of the choices yeah. right now you're like meh at best in some races yeah and so i think they're grappling with like i am not energized by my choices i love that what I, do I do that fits perfectly into my hypothesis and you've said it better than i was going to say it so so can i roll it out yeah let's do okay, it here it is so I'm watching the statewide number of votes that have been tabulated. Okay. And then, and then I'm looking at Salt Lake County, which is our largest county. And statewide, you're seeing that of the 335, this is numbers as of November 3rd today. Um, as, as of today, 335,000 votes have been tabulated, collected statewide, 29 counties. Mm-hmm. In Salt Lake County, 75,000 uh, votes have been collected. And then they break it down by Republican, Democrat, unaffiliated, and third party. Right now, statewide, it's 64.5% uh, of the votes that have been received have been received by registered Republicans. Uh, the number statewide is 13% Democrat, Democrat, and then unaffiliated is 19%. When you get to Salt Lake County, here's where I think you're seeing the trend. I, okay, and I'll post these online if people want to look Salt, at the numbers themselves. In Salt Lake County, the turnout of registered Republicans is at 52.7, so almost 53%. Uh, Democrat uh, turnout is at uh, ballots collected is of 23%, and then unaffiliated is 20 20%, 20.58. Here's the difference between last. So last year, in 2020. The presidential election. The presidential election in Salt Lake County, it was a 44% registered Republican. That's That number is at almost 53% right now. That says that Republicans are putting in their ballot earlier or, or more frequently than than others. Democrats at 23%, that's about where they were in 2020. The big difference is in unaffiliated. It's a 10%, 10% less of the ballots collected are from unaffiliated. And I think that's where the dissatisfaction of having 
Evan McMullen needs them, right? Uh, he does. And I think th- there's two things going on there. I don't think that those that were inclined to vote left of center or moderate or left of center are excited about this. And then I think that if you're a Democrat, you don't have a Democrat at the top of the ticket. You just don't have one. You can, you can adopt Evan McMullen as the top of your ticket, but he's not. And so I just think that that's going to have that can that has the potential of having a chilling effect on your voter turnout. And, and why I think it's seen in the unaffiliated side is that you don't have to be registered Democrat to be in, to vote in the Democrat Party. So I think your ardent, very strident Democrats are voting like they always would. Mm. But those that are unaffiliated, I think there's a chilling effect going and on. And I will say the smart Democratic candidates who are running in Salt Lake County that I've spoken to identified this a while ago and shifted some of their. Um, tactics to unaffiliated because they recognized that the top of the ticket either way wasn't helping them. To be honest, top of the ticket sometimes doesn't isn't a determinant for the Democratic Party. But we have really competitive races right now in Salt Lake County. We have a competitive county-wide council race yeah. in Richard Snellgrove and Suzanne Harrison. And the clerk's race is just one of the most critical races. I also oh, just saw yeah. the auditor's race is is trending, which I was a little surprised. But, but there's um, not a Democrat in the auditor's race. I know, race. but I, so I think that those get-out-the-votes will be interesting because both of those candidates di- district have... District race and, and they have race. some money. Yeah. They've, they've fundraised for it, and they are more apt to block and tackle and do those calls and direct mail pieces and and follow people to the polls so we'll see if they can be successful because i do think the unaffiliated probably in salt lake county may favor those democratic candidates running for countywide seats i'm telling you watch the unaffiliated move if it's i'm telling you there's a lot of i would i would argue there's a lot of moderate and left of center voters that are unaffiliated um and where that unaffiliated number goes by way of percentage of the vote is where I think Democrats will do well or they won't. That's what that's my theory. All right. I, we will talk about this when we um, come in here for post-election coverage. Right now, I want to talk about the Senate race for just a minute real quick. Uh, some new newish numbers came out this last week. Uh, one poll coming from Emerson polling on the general election. This one was good news for Senator Lee, where it had him up about 10 percent. He was at 49 percent. Evan McMullen at 39%, undecided at 4%. And that was the first time we've seen undecided, um, like, in the single digits. They've been really high for a long time in all of the polling. Another poll came out, which um, should be, you know, benefiting Evan McMullen. That one came from the Super PAC by Hill Research, and it had Lee at 47%, McMullen at 46%. And I believe last time McMullen was up higher in that. So, uh, Mara, can you read anything out of these polls, or are they just more polls? They're just more polls. I'm going to say both pollsters are reputable. Um, Methodology is totally different on these. And I, I'm going to. I don't want to get too wonky, even though our audience is oh, equally wonky. We have but a, like this is a smart listening yeah. audience. No, for sure. Podcast. I didn't mean they, so. They totally one young. poll, the general poll, Emerson's poll had 825. They still opted in to what your affiliation and likely is to vote, and I hate that. I hate the self-reporting. Just poll. Just, yeah, just there's a hold the voter file yeah, and let us know. Yeah, there's a voter file, and they tell you how and often I, they vote, And I too. think that's a cheese ball thing, but uh, McMullen's not releasing the crosstabs on that. Again, it's a legit research firm. So yeah. both Greg and I tend to agree to not mm-hmm. – I am not prone to say it's bad polling. I'm just saying what, again, is the purpose of the poll. I will tell you that I, I am – I'm not a Lee supporter, but I have yet to see a poll – 
when you look at the cross tabs and you take into account the methodology and you take into account how likely the undecideds are to break, I have never seen a poll where Evan McMullen is closer than 13%. And so, yep. to be honest, I think there's much ado- it, it it makes it more interesting for all of us and Evan McMullen has enough money to continue a speech. And one of the things that I have fought most of my career has been underdog races. And so under, amazing things happen. And and that's the interesting part of politics is that it isn't necessarily predictable. And if I'm an underdog, there's always a legit shot. And I think it's fair to say there's a legitimate shot. And I think lightning can strike and McMullen's running a really good race. He has a seasoned team. Having said all that, I have not seen polling that shows him hitting the ceiling at 39%. I mean, everything I see when you look at the cross tags, McMullen taps out at about 39, which would trend with most of the polling we saw prior to the primaries, actually. So I, you know, I just think you're going to see closer to the Emerson numbers on election night. So Emerson came out on Monday. Later this week, um, this and I don't. This hasn't been picked up, and maybe because it's it's it seems like it's skewed too far in favor of Senator Lee. But and I've never heard of this OH Predictive Insights. Have you I heard have. of this? Yeah, we work with them quite a bit. They came into came into town about three years ago, and what they do is quarterlies. I will say for OH Predictive, they on the race that Greg's going to walk yes. you through. They were not polling for either side. Okay. Yeah. They were doing a generalized poll and I really like their methodology. Their methodology is almost it's a high number count and You might want to be careful cuz these numbers I saw them. Yeah, I I saw those about a week ago. I do enjoy it when more people are in there. I just feel like when you get a bigger pool of people, you just get better numbers. So OH Predictive Insights. uh, And Mara has experience or knows who they are better than I do. They have Lee with a 19-point lead. I haven't seen this poll. Now, I would would cast that 19 out. I would say, okay, that's that's too ambitious. But this is the the crosstab on this is what I found really fascinating and intuitive. Like, this makes sense to me. For people who are new to politics and they're listening, when you talk crosstab, what are you talking about? I'm talking about when you when you get these polls and what yeah. the outcome is, they they they'll know registered Republicans, or I don't know if this is identified who makes or registered. Up the top line average. Yeah. So forty nine percent would be what we would call top line. Greg's about to explain to you what the composition of that to men, to women, to age, to where you live. Any one of those is called a crosstab. So he's breaking down the forty nine to see who. And a good pollster up. will give you that information. You'll know the gender. You'll know the you'll age all group. All the demographics. You'll, yes, yeah. you'll know that because it, those that information can help you understand a race For a sure. lot better too. I'm just going to go to the simple cross tabs of uh, Democrats. Those that identify as Democrats, sixty percent of Democrats are voting for McMullen. Um, the forty nine percent of Independents are voting for him, and thirty eight percent of Republicans. That's how they get to their when they mix all that together. That's mm-hmm. how they get to their thirty four their thirty four percent for McMullen. I just think that when you look at Democrats, if they're breaking 60-40 for uh, – for, even give them a little bit more. There's just not enough Democrats. And if independents are just at 49, they have to be at a lot higher number for Evan McMullen to make that an actual race. Here's my bottom line, though. When I look at this, Emerson was at 10. The debate commission looking at who to qualify for debates had him yeah. up at 11 – had my Senator Lee up at 11%. You only have one house, one polling house, one source that has this within single digits or even three points, two points. And I'm either going to eat crow this time next week or I'm going to call out 
these people because I think there is my fear when you see such an outlier from such a so-called legitimate news source and and in place where people look. I think it's a, trying to affect the outcome of an election, not trying to report fairly. And so I, that is the only poll we know that keeps telling every, Utahns, and it comes from a legitimate source that the this Hill is a research. real race. It, yeah, it, but yeah. it's the it's the Deseret News. It's the, the there's. They have been commissioning this poll, this this polling house that keeps coming up with these numbers that this thing is a neck and neck race, and I will either again admit my er- the error of my ways next week, or I'm going to call this out because I don't I think this is a, this has so the potential of being electioneering. The one thing I'm calling you out on is there is no conspiracy theory. There is no electioneering. There is, is no nefarious. Is there is no one trying to move the leverage. I, I will I say, totally believe it. D- despite the fact that I wish it weren't true. You and I absolutely agree on what the numbers are. We do. So I'll just say, like, the but, numbers. But so this I won't is have I to eat crow with you next week if, so if I'm wrong. So you both think that Lee's up by 10% or more than 10%? I think, it's go- I think he's up by more. I think he's going to. I think you're going to see McMullen competing in 38, 39. I feel like if I'm wrong, he gets 40. But I think Lee's yeah. going to be in the... 53 to 56. And look, and if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you are all in for Evan McMullen and you think everything I'm saying is just completely unfair, understand this too, what McMullen has going against him. In the midterms, it is by precedent, it is a historical precedent that the party that did not win the White House does well. It is, I mean, it's, it it's clockwork. Yeah. It's clockwork that this happens. Add to that, you know, whatever circumstances or whatever the kitchen table issues are that Americans and Utahns are going through right now. And it lends itself to the party that's not in charge anywhere. You know, they're not on the clock anywhere. They're not responsible for whatever it is we're feeling as Utahns and Americans. To say that the midterms won't favor the party out of power, I don't know how you get there. It, I mean, it's just, say it it's, another it's historical. Way. Greg is saying what I'm saying, which is the success of Evan McMullen is that he is still, and the test of a challenger, <clears throat> is that he's still per- persuading us he's viable. Yeah. Even though, at best, to knock off a well-funded incumbent is near impossible. Yes. And I think on election night... If he wins, they make this cookie cutter they can use everywhere else. If he say, wins, Let's make this, this is such a big deal. It's a bigger deal than we think it is if he wins, which is why I think the I think Rom- are, are I think if I think if he does really well, <laughs> Romney runs as an independent. He gives up the the Republican uh, moniker and he runs as an sure, independent. And I, yeah. I think Ben McAdams would love a statewide race where he yeah, could have a I don't chance. Disagree with and that. so you have two can you have a senator and a and you know former member of Congress and Sully Lake County Mayor who would who would follow the McMullen model? It would uh, be a model. new playbook for the state of Utah, and probably be. other if, states but too. But again, I will say again, I'm not a Lee supporter, but I will say I have been frustrated, as it sounds like Greg has been, in which they're not reporting the numbers I'm seeing. I'm like, ah, come yeah. on, there is no version of the world where it is a toss up right now. The one, <laughs> and there's no national pollster who's calling it any more than, like, yes, it moves from an absolute assurity to a likely. <laughs> but I don't know that, yeah. I, you know. And so, yeah. again, hats off to Evan McMullen. He's run a great campaign. But I, I just and don't see And the money's still numbers. in the race. He so has more still- signs out there. I noticed I, I don't generally walk in my neighborhood. I go someplace to exercise where I don't find people because when I go or running or walking yeah. I don't want to talk to people and get stuck I right. just, just want to so like famous no I just you're a celebrity it's just like it doesn't matter who you are don't you think if you the walk paparazzi around your neighborhood fo- you yeah. stop and talk no, to people the paparazzi yeah. follows her I no. see I see him outside the studio waiting for you to come stop. out stop I so see them. I was 
uh, the other day, I, I just, it was a long story, but I ended up in my neighborhood. So I went for a walk with my dog and I was counting the signs and there definitely were more Evan McMullen signs than Mike Lee signs. So it's interesting because what you're seeing, you know, maybe in just the displays of signs is different than the numbers. And It's a pocket because I don't, my actually, my neighbor who I quite like has a McMullen sign. Um, but you that's can still like the only one. No, I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I do. In fact, I like him so much. I didn't put a Mike Lee sign in my yard. Wow. But I just didn't want to have the conflict. Yeah. With my neighbor, because I like him so much. I only have one yard sign. It's for my local legislature. I have my oh, state. Nice. I have my state senator. I have uh, my state rep, Kirk Cullimore, for Senate. Brian King, state senator. I'll give Brian King a shot. Hey, fifty percent of the reported votes in his district right now are Republican. Well, that's 50%. because Brian King wins with unaffiliates, Republicans, and Democrats. Yeah, there he's you got fifty percent of votes. He's so a congenial he's, legislator. He is. He's uh, he's for everyone. Oh, he's not. Look, congenial. Then you caught him on a good day. Okay, okay. I'm just going to tell you, Brian. I, I will take care of Greg. The, is he a tiger? The minority when I'm not leader. Oh uh, yeah. Under, yeah, go go see a picture when I was speaker, and nine times out of ten, he's on that dais chewing my ear, literally chewing up my ear, just mm. about something. True, and well, I love Brian. Brian, King. I mean, I not love to the be passion, that person, but, but it's figuratively chewing your ear. No. Yeah, no, see, I'm I was not. imagining the actual <laughs> yeah, no, no, chewing. No, there's no, like, there's no teeth in saliva. It's on behalf that, of that my be, mom, I'm just yeah, going to point out it's you know, figurative. That's, that's yeah, that <laughs> was that's a I'm, yeah, that's not real. That would be disgusting. Oh, we're so funny. He's just he's just in my ear. That would be weird on the floor there yeah, when you're voting. Hey, we got to get to the constitutional amendment because there hasn't been a lot of talk about this. And so my question is, do voters know enough that they're going to even vote on this? And does the legislature need more spending capability? Mara, uh, why haven't we heard a lot about this? Why haven't we? Why does Here the legislature need to step it up to? I'm, I'm lit about this. So I will tell you one thing. Legislature continues to hold the Constitution sacrosanct. Then they have us vote on it, and then they expend no energy educating the electorate. So first, shame on you, legislature, for that. There's a voter guide. Uh, Seriously, there's also a website for judges. So I am just telling you that it's irresponsible of the legislature to want to change our most important legal legislative document and spend no energy educating. Also, you, you have a you have is, a constitution, this a is, state constitution in your pocket, don't this you? This is an undue. Sandra Lee, is that you? <laughs> this is she an, is. She's a constitution. You talk constitutional. Unduly Sorry. poorly written. Um, usually, the writers of these are good, and it's really poorly written. Which let me tell you why I think that's a good thing. <laughs> Vote no. <laughs> it I. The legislature has been slowly creeping more and more authority to them. We need three branches of government. They need to be equal. And if you want to take more than 1% of the annual budget, then put yourself in session five times. What they're saying is it was so hard to call themselves into session five times during COVID. It exhausted them because they wanted 5% of our total. I'm saying, you know what? You want more. So this raises the amount that they can do in a single budgetary cycle. I think it is poorly written. I think it's more encroachment on the executive branch. And I think it is... I just think it's another power play by the state legislature. I was actually surprised when voters gave the legislature the ability to call themselves into session. I loved it. A couple I was times so ago. Happy. I just 
the, the question is, is like generally as a human, whether I'm thinking about on a national or local level, if you're having to be asked questions about changing the constitution, I just think it would be a lot harder than it was. But people are like, okay. And it was like 90 yeah, something percent. It was wild to me. So the power of race. And I think a conservative, that, a conservative legislature would want to be more fiscally conservative. They would want to be so incremental about spending that they would not even think to raise the amount that government can spend at one time would be just anti-conservative. So I'm going to give you my take on this, I and it might surprise some people. You might be surprised, mm-hmm. okay, or not, okay. Um, so I I found it absolutely essential for the legislature to be able to call itself into a special session in, in cases of an emergency uh, by a two-thirds majority. Uh, we had a situation where we thought there was a clear violation of separation of powers, but unable to call ourselves into le- special session. We couldn't fix the statute uh, that would make that clear. 35 states, their legislative branch can do that. I, it, it shouldn't be up to the executive branch whether the legislative branch should be able to, to meet. What However, do you think about the issue on this year? I know. But I, so, that's, so I'm preparing <laughs> for that. So I'm preparing for that because th- I think that was a very a important thing. However, I love the part-time nature of this legislature. I love that we have one of the shortest sessions in, a, in America in terms of 50 states. It's, so sh- it's seven weeks. It's very quick. And also, it allows a people from very different walks of life to actually be able to serve as lawmakers. So you don't have everybody that's either retired or working for someone who benefits from the budget of the state budget as your lawmaker. You have, you have people from every profession you can imagine. So when they did that amendment back then, the one pr- you could only change by way of appropriation just 1% of the total state budget. Going up to 5 and then having four special sessions if you want, if you had enough emergencies. So you're now you're rearranging 20% of that whole state budget when you're not in the general session is a deal killer for me. Now, my friends that are still up there uh, don't like to hear me say that. They can't believe I'm saying that. There's a second part of that amendment that I think I wish it was just there and that's all they were doing. They ran into a situation with the COVID funds that were coming in that they wanted to be able to, and it was coming in at an amount that was more than 1% mm-hmm. Of the of the budget of the state budget, they wanted to be able to marshal and and work with those co- those federal funds for an emergency, and the way we had written that didn't allow them to do it. I think it's absolutely appropriate that they could be able to do that if they wanted to cut taxes uh, in an amount that was more than the one percent of the whole state budget. I think cutting taxes is again another another opportunity that you can take. So I could have supported the second. There's two parts of that uh, constitutional amendment. The second part, I think you're on the side of angels. I think that's great. The five percent. I, I cannot believe that's in there. It's a lot of money when you You're look at it. No. I can't believe it. I'm absolutely voting no on that. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm just shocked it's in there. And every time I ask a, a former colleague about it, they go to the second part and say they want to cut more taxes and they want to be able to marshal the federal funds. I never hear about the 5%, which, so, again, you can't be so myopic about that budget. That budget comes together from different sub-appropriation yeah. committee meetings. Former and then you're speakers, weighing priorities. Excuse, may I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. When we do um, general obligation bonds with a subsidiary, so a city or a county, yeah. we always say, hey, listen, if you're going to put this on the ballot, I, I'm talking about more municipal, like, yeah. like they want to improve their s- trail system or build their own library, something that, that the, the government is really proffering up. We always say to them, don't put this on the ballot without expending some money 
to actively tell people what it is you want to raise their taxes about. Because I think the onus is on the aid, the governmental entity that's saying, hey, I want to make a change or I want to ask you for something. I don't think it needs to be an insane amount of money, but like put enough to send things to me. Don't yeah. make me go to some wonky site. Like send some things to me. Why don't we have a tradition when the legislature has wanted to change the Constitution, which I see as the same kind of conversation with the public? Mm-hmm. Hey, people in the know, people who deal with this, thoughtful people think there needs to be a change. And yet I don't see the legislature ever increasing. Now, the state of Utah has a get out the vote budget, but that's in general. That's sort of like remember that it's Election yeah. Day, remember to vote. Why wouldn't we put funding into educating the public on these incredibly critical issues? Because they're very successful at the budget, at the ones they put in already, so it works. Right, so it's political. <laughs> like I feel like okay, you should just practical. That's what I mean. It's yeah, practical. It's practical. I'm giving you the political. I'm giving you the real answer. Like that's I'd political. love to come up with a nice flowery answer, but the answer really is because it works. You're right because education is the. I'm not. Hey, I am not. I'm, I'm. You're. I did you're not right. say that. You told me you the asked truth, me and the I question, have and I'm just you, giving you yeah. the blunt answer because it works, Mara. Because it works. Because it's That's politically why. expedient. I think you should come sell me on things. We've talked about it in the past, where there's governors. If they really want us to yeah. sell things to us as a state of why it would work, get out there and tell us why it needs That's to happen well, too. And the legislature too. If this is this yeah. important that you want to have five percent of our money, if it's already working, don't. If it if it works, don't break it. I mean, that's why they're doing it that way. But let me just say this. I'm dumb this way. I love talking. Okay. I love debating. I'll come, I'll go anywhere, anytime. I would, if I were a candidate, oh, you got all these people ducking debates. I'd go to all of them. Okay. But here's the problem. Fetterman agreed to do that debate with Dr. Oz. His numbers are worse because of it. He would have been miles ahead, practically yeah, speaking, if he had deal. dodged Two the debate. candidates, if you're a Wiley Coyote and you're a candidate, I'll give you a pass. If you are a sitting legislator and deciding to be wily about policy, shame on you. You mean so, wily by avoiding a, a, by a debate? By avoiding the conversation. So are you I talking mean, about Congressman Owens or are you speaking about someone in another state? No, no, I'm talking about, I'm back to the constitutional issue and okay. why we're not educating. When the government itself is proffering something. But they do I understand have, Mara, why candidates are evasive. I understand they why. They put a pro and a con. Oh There's gosh, information for that. You're killing and me. And you're mailing That's it so they like have time to read it. That's like reading the small print when it's not like I you're accept going to the, something on an app. I'm not going to do it. It's not like when you go to the it. polling place and you have to read it quickly. You get this mail to you. You can make it. You can take as long as you no, want to read now it. Now you're changing. You had some credibility when you just I'm told just me the saying, truth. I'm just saying. You're acting now like there's you're. no information at all. I'm just trying to, to let our listeners know there is information. There's, uh, there's information not only what it does, then they have a pro and a con. In the in the packet right, for the but ballot, the government is making no effort to educate, and I that's just an am effort. Telling you. You're just not making an adequate. Ed- they're making an effort. You just think it's not enough. It is. That's fine. Enough. That's I feel fine. like there should I, be more myself. Hey, uh, are there any races we should be watching here in Utah or nationally that we're like, okay, this matters. We should keep our close eyes on, eagle eyes on this. Greg, do you have any races? I think I live in Salt Lake County, so I can't help but stare at these county races, and yeah. it's the largest county in the state. Yeah. Why, I think that every single countywide race is in play for the Republicans, whether they have a lot of money or whether they don't have much money at all because of the kind of year we have. And so when you look down ticket or down ballot at all these countywide races, do not count out these, these uh, county, uh, whether it's sheriff, whether it's a uh, clerk, whether it's an auditor, whether it's um, – the Republican the, the sheriff candidate is a very unknown – Nick Roberts, yeah. He, and, and, but I'm telling you. I don't, I don't, and I think Gowd, the clerk, is the sleeper race. I think he wins that race. But I only think he wins it because 
I think the turnout's going to be so strong. Yeah, the, the race for clerk is one that's on the minds of people, election integrity. But I think down, like even the Snellgrove and uh, Suzanne Harrison. Harrison, I think Snellgrove's going to win that when Suzanne Harrison is, is probably one of the strongest Democrat candidates we've seen really running. I mean, she was a phenom- I mean, she was a very strong she's lawmaker. She's a challenger in this race. And she, she's a challenger, but she works harder yeah. than anyone I've ever seen in campaigns and, she's and elections. she's a known commodity, I and feel she's like. Known. She's one of the best she's campaigners that she's, has been around. She has, she has a great, a small graveyard, because she hasn't been in long, of Republicans who thought they could beat her, and she's won. But I don't think she wins this race because of the year we're in. So my... Are Republicans mad still about COVID? Is it inflation? What's, what's got you fired up and turning out? I think the biggest issues right now are inflation. I think it's 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 really hitting families hard. I think the price of fuel is hitting uh, families hard. I think crime and public safety are weighing heavily on the minds of voters. And these are issues that the Republicans, I think, are making a better case for uh, the economy and for public safety. And I think that there's so I think those are the issues, Heidi, I think. And I think they're similar to national issues on kitchen table issues. You can get philosophical about a lot of different things. But it's what's happening when you go to the supermarket. Is there a supply chain problem? What's the cost of the basic goods that you buy? What about the fire of abortion and um, women's rights? Do you think that Democrats are still um, wanting to turn out? And some Republicans on that issue, too, and vote on that issue. Because a lot of people are one-issue voters. That could be their issue. Yeah, I think nationally you're going to see that making a difference. I think in Utah you're not seeing that surge. But one differentiation I would make from the list that Greg had on in Utah is that we've long been a bastion of moderateness. <laughs> and I do think you may see what will end up being a, uh, in 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 Salt Lake County, the Democratic vote is a moderate vote generally. It's not sort yeah. of a firebrand Democrat. I don't know. Bernie Sanders seems to be like the... No, no, I'm talking about okay, county races. Okay. County local officials who are Democratic here tend to be more on the moderate spectrum yeah. where the Republicans have a chance of being more dogmatic. And so where I think you may see what is seen as a Democratic issue is really a one of moderate. I think there are a lot of voters in Salt Lake County who are worried about extremism. I think you see that with Gowd is a is an election denier, and I think that might hit him. Election when, integrity, when, not um, denier. An, an affiliate that's voter sort of break to the middle. So I do think that's different. The other county that I would watch right now that's really going to be interesting is Utah County. They have a hot... Um, clerk race, but they also remember they have the the Orem schools. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a tough issue and people are fired up about, they are, uh, I think it's called prop two. I think that's the number. Yeah. And so I think that is also going to be seen as a hot race. So education. And I would, I would just tether off of that. I think Heidi, one of the other issues is education, but it's not just whether it's curriculum or whether it's, um, you know, the decisions made yep. about COVID that have found students maybe a year behind in academic progress. I just think education. Oh, they were showing, the stats show that that's not true. Uh, I've seen others that show, but it doesn't matter. I, I'm just saying, I think there's some frustration about public education or some concern. And uh, and so that's that's an issue that I think is on the minds of uh, voters coming into this midterm. Yeah, there's a lot. And I was looking at Real Clear Politics and a few other websites nationally looking at the balance of power. And it looks like if a lot of these polls are correct, and it's difficult to know if polls are correct, because we've seen that in the presidential election, that sometimes they just don't work out, that the balance of power will shift uh, to Republicans, at least in the Senate. But you never know, because the only poll that matters, as we hear, is on election day. So I'll make a very draconian okay. prediction. If the Republicans do not take control of the House and the Senate, 
I don't know when the Republicans will ever take control of the House or Senate, ever, going forward. If this isn't the year, if the, if the tradition and precedent of the midterms added to the, the challenges that we have right now where Democrats are on the clock and leading on in the House and Senate and the White yeah. House, if this doesn't switch a 50-50, because it's not like some big hill to climb here. Yeah. If you can't put move the, the like advantage one or two. to Republicans yeah. in the Senate and you don't take yeah. the House in its thinnest margin in generations, I agree. then I don't know you when Republicans this, this will ever win. This should be a Republican year. And if it is not, you can it's say a it's done. big loss for uh, the Republicans. Yeah, I, I am not happy with one. If it's not both, I don't know how Republicans will ever see the majority in either one of those bodies ever again. I'm I'm that adamant about this. I I just I just don't see how it could go any other way. And if it doesn't go that way, then this democratically elected republic yeah, I mean, form I of do, government is not working in our pretty in our settled way, in our, that you know, the Republicans advantage. will take the house. I do think I think for me the Senate is still undecided. Yeah, and if it, and I'm telling you if it's just one, I think the Republicans are in big big trouble. I think I I think peop, I do. It's for whatever reason they would lose, whatever that would be. It would. It doesn't look good for Republicans. Last question, and then we have to go. I feel like we need to meet more often. I've been doing all these yeah. candidate <laughs> interviews, and so we haven't been here. But Elon Musk, after all of the back and forth, yes. is now the chief Twitter or whatever he calls himself at Twitter. Uh, a lot of um, people who lean left are saying, I'm moving out of this country. And by moving out of this country, they mean I'm getting off of Twitter. I'm not going to be anymore. He could sway this election in this last week. Uh does he change anything being in charge for a week, or is this just a tantrum, Greg? My, I, this is anecdotal, I'll admit, but I'm not on Twitter, but my wife uh, follows Twitter a lot. She's and, a Twitterer. Mm-hmm, and she has a lot of people that she follows. She has told me that the difference in her feed is day and night. People that she follows, she is able to see their contribution and what they're tweeting about more often now than she ever saw before. She, there were some that she signed up for and had to look to see if she still was because she wasn't getting anything from them. Interesting. Her assessment is it's been day and night different for the positive. I'm following Elon Musk because I, you know, he's made a grundle of money, so so practical common sense would tell me he's a reasonably good businessman. But the moves that he's making, uh, leaving out politics, it's just he's making bad corporate decisions. You don't... You know, if if Twitter, if I use it as a retail, you don't fire everyone right before your Christmas holiday um, where your biggest retail is. So what will be interesting is not on the politics side that yeah. Greg spoke to, but rather just the you wipe out your entire C-suite and your board of directors. There's just a practical answer the phone problem. I'm just like running a business. <laughs> yeah. And so I I I have yet to see that as a market share this will be successful. He's got some so smart engineers I, I at Tesla. He can send them over there. I don't they think it's going to be out. a matter of free speech. I think it's going to be a matter Who answers of the that phones? was stupid. Well, I'm going to lose my analogy. blue check according to Elon. He's going to start charging me for it. He yeah. got to be charged yeah. for a blue and check. And I think the second he charges to be on a platform, man, how many times people have splatted into that online internet wall. I think if you if you want people to pay for what is perceived as an open marketplace, it's a I don't even killer. pay the 10 bucks a month for Netflix, which my yeah, kids are annoyed about, let alone pay exactly. 10 bucks to be on Twitter. So I'm not even speaking to who's on, who's off, if the Trumpster gets on. I'm more speaking to, is he is he a good businessman still? 
Yeah. Well, I love that answer the phones thing. I think they need to answer the phones. I, I noticed do. that I'm someone's put that working because the, the White House has had a couple corrections on their tweets this week. So that's been interesting to see. And I'm like, would that have happened anyways? Or did he hire someone who's specifically watching, watching them? the White House <laughs> and being like, wrong, <laughs> wrong. All those, all those Tesla engineers are going over there. They don't even know politics. They're just like, they, they're just very wonkish about it all. It's beautiful. I know. So it'll be interesting to but watch. But they don't answer phones. And so see we're what still happens. In, still in trouble. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, I'm so excited to meet again. We're going to meet yes. after the election, and we're going to see if everything we said I'm this ready week to was just, wrong or I'm right. I'm ready to spike the football or eat crow. It's, it's, I, there's no middle ground for me. Either I am right, and this world Isn't is insane. Isn't that like sane, so do I need or, motto, actually? Like, that's yeah, not it's new. Just, it's do just, I need to have a, a live crow here just yeah, in case? Yeah, there is a bright line. I, I have no gray yeah. area. It is either spike the football or... I'm eating crow, and I and am. Is that a, I am doomed. Just to be clear, that statement is about national politics and the Lee race. I just yes. want to know to what level do oh, I no, need no. to it's hold not, you accountable? Not, not, my whole thing about the Salt Lake County, that's, what, that's my hunch. But if Lee, Lee is going to win by double digits. Well, you and I agree and, on and, that. And the House that's and no the fun. Senate and the House and Senate are going to be in Republican control. They okay. have to be. All right. I'll take, I, I see I'll no take scenario the where that's in not the, the case. Senate. So we'll have right, conscience. I'll go. take the Democrats. This but, is going to be fun. Hey, just, best of luck to all the candidates. You still have five days to get out there, knock some doors, change some hearts and minds. Send some tweets. Yes. That's right. God vote. bless America. Get out and vote. Please get your do sticker. Vote. We don't Put it on an election day. Right on your for? lapel, on your shirt. Vote. And then stick it in your closet when you get done. And vote Republican while you're at it. Hee <laughs> hee. Really, you have them in